0: Father, we declare today that your name is majestic, Father. God, we're just so thankful for who you are to us, what you've done for us. God, we thank you for forgiving us, for setting us free, for loving us, for protecting us, for guiding us. Father, today we want to praise your name. We want to lift your name up. We want to say that your name is great and above all things in this earth, God. Father, your word shall reign, your love shall reign. I would give you all the praise this morning in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Uh, you can be seated, if you would please. Thank you. Um, it's nice to have you guys with us today on the live stream. You know, it's it's not about me, but let's make it about me for just half a second here you know, <laughs> it's uh, I I don't like change. And most people know that about me. I like things to be the way that they are. And, and so I had gotten used to preaching to no one uh, and preaching directly to the screen. And then this morning I had to preach to someone out in the parking lot in their cars, in their windows. Uh, and I was actually pretty nervous this morning about preaching the drive-in service, but I think it went well. Um, we had a lot more uh, space than probably would allow I, I had heard from people this week where they said, oh man, I don't, I don't want to go down and we'll leave that for people that really want to go. Um, there was, you know, 16 parking spots in front of the shed that weren't taken. There was a bunch of them on the road. We probably had at least room for a do- another dozen cars in the parking lot. So I'm going to say that now everybody's going to come next week and well, that's fine. Um, so we just encourage you to come. The buildings aren't open so you got to make sure that you use the restroom before you come. But uh, it was good, man. It was, it was good church. Uh, it was nice to be together physically with some people. Um, see what the time's at. Perfect. See, th- what's nice is that, you know, th- when you preach twice, the first one's kind of the dry run, and I haven't gotten the dry run in a couple months. And so, you know, I feel a little warmed up. I think I'm ready. I think I'm, I think I'm ready for second service. Two hours, let's go. Two hours, let's go starting the book of Genesis. All right, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharp than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that your uh, presence would be with us as we uh, go through this sermon today, God, that you would speak through me, God, and that you would speak directly to the people that are watching this either live or on the recording, God. Father, that lives would be changed, that this word would go out. Father, that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 16 this morning. It is Mother's Day. Uh, I always like to say Mother's Day. Hey, happy Mother's Day. At Faith and Victory Church, we don't give up a lot of Sundays for anything. We give it up for Christmas and Easter. Other than that, we just continue what we do, which is to preach through the Bible. And so today we're in 2 Samuel 16, but happy Mother's Day. All right, right, Second Samuel 16, verse 1. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with these? <clears throat> so Ziba said... The donkeys for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young man to eat, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. And the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem, for he said, today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I might find favor in your sight, o my, lo- uh, my sight, my lord, O king. Now when King David came to Behirim, there was a man whose family was from the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came, and he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Also Shimei said thus when he cursed, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my Lord, the king? Please let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all of his servants, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse. For so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went threw stones at him and kicked up dust. Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. What's going on in this story? Well, David has just uh, got through this thing with Absalom. You can listen in our previous sermons. We talked about it. So now he's interacting with this guy named Ziba. And Ziba is the servant of Mephibosheth. And we've preached about Mephibosheth before. Somewhat irrelevant to the story, except that Mephibosheth um, is the uh, son of Jonathan and the grandson of Saul, and so David's there. Ziba shows up and says, "Hey, I got all these provisions, and I'm here because of I'm uh, Mephibosheth's servant." And David goes, "Okay, well, here, take half of Mephibosheth's stuff," and they just kind of move forward to move away from Absalom, and they're moving away. Uh, from Jerusalem because David's kind of going to go and regather before he goes back to fight back and take the kingdom back from Absalom. So then this guy Shimei shows up and Shimei is of the house of Saul as well. And he begins to curse David and throw stones at him and yell at him. And so David and his guys are like, man, we're going to get out of here. But Shimei keeps following him along the way. And so the title of today's sermon is how to deal with difficult people, because in this story we see Shimei and we see uh, Ziba and we see that these guys are some pretty difficult dudes. And so as we're walking through this sermon, what we're going to see is we're going to see how David dealt with these guys, and then we're going to translate it of how you should deal with difficult people in your life as well. Does that sound well? Amen. My wife says yes. You know, it kind of like, it changes, you know, I kind of enjoyed the drive-in service with the honking and the amens. And now I'm just relegated to this paltry group of tech people, worship members in my family. Woo! But but you guys are just as good. We love you. So, all right. So the first difficult person we're going to talk about this morning is Zeba, And in this story, Zeba is the servant of Mephibosheth. You may remember him from earlier sermons, the son of Jonathan, the grandson of King Saul, and so Ziba comes out as a servant of Mephibosheth to bring him provisions for him and his men. Now in this story, David has no reason to think that Ziba is up to anything. Um, Z- uh, David is a honorable man. And so he just expects that Zeba is an honorable man. Ziba comes to bring these provisions. He comes to uh, uh, say to David, hey, I'm here to help you. And so David says, all right, great. Well, if you're from Mephibosheth, Let me just give you half of what is Mephibosheth's um, because, hey, you're his servant and you're helping me out. Verse three, then the king said, and where's your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem for he said today, the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of, of my father to me. Now here's, here's the problem with this story and why we're talking about it this way with him being a difficult person is that Ziba was lying, he was lying to David. He came to David and said, hey, I'm with uh, Mephibosheth, but Mephibosheth couldn't make it. He uh, he couldn't make it to uh, come out and see you. So I just came by myself, but he's lying. He told uh, David a falsehood because what had happened was, is he told Mephibosheth to stay so that he could go and talk to David on his own terms because he wanted to get what he wanted from David and he couldn't have Mephibosheth there with him. Now we'll find all this out in 2 Samuel 19, Mephibosheth says it in 1926, when David comes to Mephibosheth and he says, oh, Mephibosheth, you're here. Uh, I heard that you couldn't come to be with us. And Mephibosheth is like, what? No, that's not it at all. I was deceived. He says in verse 26, oh, king, my servant deceived me. Ziba told Mephibosheth a lie, and then he told David a lie to cover up his lie because he was a liar. So he took Mephibosheth one thing, he told David one thing, but he didn't tell him the same thing because he was a liar. He was trying to get what he wanted in the situation. Mephibosheth was lied to by Ziba. He thought his, his uh, servant would do the right thing, but he didn't. He lied to him. David thought that Ziba was doing the right thing, but he lied to him as well. Now, why was he lying? Because he was a liar. <laughs> That's why. He was a self-serving miscreant. Now, most commentators say that the reason why Zeba was lying is because Zeba saw in this, and, and this is what happens is that when there's a vacuum of power is the time that people come in and take power. And and so Absalom's taken over the kingdom. David's running from the kingdom. There's kind of this fight going on. Ziba saw this as his opportunity to say, "Hey, I'm still from the house of Saul, and 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 somebody can uh, uh, trust me and give me influence and power and land and provisions and all these other things." That's typically why liars lie. It's because they want influence. They want valuables. They want notoriety. And so they'll lie to get what they want. And you probably already know this, but if you don't, let me tell you, God does not like lying or liars. It's not something that God looks upon uh, very easily. He doesn't like liars. It says in Proverbs 19:19, 19, 19, a false witness will not go unpunished and he who speaks lies shall perish. That's what it says. Psalm 1017 says, he who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Jesus even went so far in uh, John eight forty four to say the people uh, that lie show kinship with Satan because Satan is the father of lies. So if Satan's the father of lies and you lie. You say that Satan is your father. That if that's not enough to get you from telling a lie, I don't know it is. I don't want my kinship to be with Satan. I want my kinship to be with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Bible says in Colossians 3 9 do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds now people say that there's big lies and there's small lies but a lie is still a lie a white lie is still a lie and everybody lies though like (laughs) it's big lies small lies and some of you say well I never tell a lie listen you liar You've been to somebody's house that fed you some food, and they're like, oh, how do you like it? And you said, oh, it's great. And in your heart, you're like, this tastes like garbage. I wouldn't even feed this to my dog. Eggplant. Why would you feed me eggplant at your house? I don't care how you fry it or how you bake it. Eggplant is still eggplant. Right now, I'm getting texts on my phone. You don't like eggplant? You've never had my eggplant. I'm never going to eat your eggplant. I'm going to tell you the truth. I hate it. But we all tell lies. We shouldn't say, oh man, does this shirt look bad on me? No. but you should have asked me before we left the house. (laughs) I remember one time way back years ago in the warehouse days, there was this family that attended our church. And uh, uh, this is like year three, so... 98% of you never met these people. And they say, oh, you got to come over to our house. We're having a party. You want to come to the house for the party? And me and Crystal were like, yeah, man, we'd love to come over to your house for a party. So we go to their house for this party and we show up and it's the family, it's Crystal and I, one other couple and a guy in a tie that I'd never seen before. I was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what's going to happen here. So we began to eat our food. We began to party. And it became very clear that this was not a party. This was an opportunity for this gentleman in this tie to try to convince me to join his organization so that I could join other people to his organization and make more money than all of my wildest dreams. I was lied to. (laughs) It was a double lie. one, that it was a party, and number two, by joining this gentleman, I could make millions of dollars. Lies upon lies. It was a pitch. What does it mean to you? First off, let me say this: Don't ever do that to your pastor. Don't invite me over to your house. Now, now I learn people say to me they say, "Hey, what are you doing Saturday?" I always answer with, "Why? What's going on?" I don't ever ask me, what are you doing tomorrow? Because I will return with a question, why? What's going on? Because I don't want to lie to you, but I want to know exactly what's going on when you invite me to somewhere. It's because of things like that. When I end up somewhere and I'm being lied to, people say, oh, hey, what are you doing Saturday? You want to come over and hang out? I'm like, yeah. And help me move these boxes? I'm like, no, no, I do not. Don't be a liar. No one likes a liar at all. There's no need to lie, but people do it for many reasons. People do it to protect their image so that people will perceive them a certain way. They usually do it to denigrate somebody else. They lie, they, they'll say lies about somebody else. Why? Because they feel as though it'll make their image look better if they can make somebody else's image look bad. This is uh, one of the root causes of gossip and slander is that people will go and try to uh, say lies about somebody else because they want to make themselves look better. Why? So they can gain influence. Uh, they can gain notoriety, all those things. A lot of times people lie because they want to deflect attention to somebody else. If you can if I can get you to focus on them, then you're no longer focused on me and all the problems that are wrong with me. And it's a it's a self-protective measure of the liar to get attention on somebody else. And just like Zeba, they try to influence you so that they can get what they want. I'll tell you this morning, do not be that person. Don't be a liar. The problem with the liar is you can never trust them. Trust is so hard to get back. And so when someone lies to you, they can apologize for that lie later on, but then it just takes a long time to learn to trust somebody after they've uh, shown themselves to be a liar. But what should you do to the liar? Like, uh, should you expose them? Should you always be distrustful of them? Is that how we should deal with them? No, you got to be you. Don't worry about what the liar is going to do. Liars, liar's going to lie. Haters going to hate and liars going to lie. The Bible says that we have to love the liar because liars are people too. God will deal with them. You don't have to work at it so hard to try to figure out who's lying to you and who's not, because God is going to figure it out. Verse four. So the king said to Ziba, here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Zeba said, I humbly bow before you that I might find favor in your sight, my Lord, O king. See, David took Zeba at his word. David had already been dealt with. Think about this. David had been pursued by Saul. David had been overthrown by his own son. And still here comes a guy. And David, because he's so trusting, he's so loving, he still says, Oh, you're Mephibosheth's sermon? Here, have half of what Mephibosheth has. He doesn't even think, are you lying to me? Are you being a liar? Because Saul didn't deal with me well, and and Absalom didn't deal with me well. All these other people haven't dealt with me well. You're probably not going to deal with me well. No, he's, he's pure in heart. And so he says, you know what? Yeah, man, here, have have half the stuff. Now, Ziba gets found out in 2 Samuel 19, but David isn't worrying about that right now. Who Ziba is will be found out eventually, and so will every liar in your life. And if you're a liar, you will be found out eventually as well. The Bible's very clear about that. It just takes time. (laughs) Why? Because liars can never keep their story straight. (laughs) Liars believe their lies And then a lot of times they tell lies on lies on lies where they can't even remember what lies they told. And so now they just get caught up in this swarm of lies and eventually they all come crashing down because they can't keep their story straight. My dad used to always say to me, he said, always tell the truth and you never have to remember what you say. (laughs) When you lie, you always have to remember like, what did I tell that person? What did I tell that person? Always tell the truth and you never have to remember what you say, which is really good because I forget things a lot. always tell the truth you never have to remember what you say. You know when the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13:7 that love bears all things, love believes all things, loves hopes all things and endures all things. That's talking about liars as well. See when you operate in love, you just believe people. When you operate in love, you just hope all things and you endure all things. You just got to love the liar. See, if your heart's in the right place, you're probably going to be lied to all the time. Uh, when When I talk to the pure in heart, oftentimes they'll say things like, man, I never thought that somebody was going to take advantage of me like that. Yeah, because you don't live with this cunning existence where you're trying to constantly try to manipulate people to get what you want. You're just pure in heart. The Bible says in Titus 115, to the pure, all things are pure. And so when you're operating from a position of purity, the truth is you're going to be taken advantage of. It just is. Like, that's just how it is. Uh, if, if you're a cunning person, a lot of times you don't get taken advantage of because you're used to taking advantage of people. So, because you're distrustful, you're distrustful of other people. When you're trusting, you're usually trusting of other people. That's just how it is. So people that don't trust you, it's usually because they're distrustful. <laughs> trusting people seem to always trust people. So you just have to love them. You just have to go through it. Now some of you would say, well, what if I know they're lying? Well, if you know they're lying, deal with it accordingly, right? Like don't join their system that's going to make you a bunch of money. (laughs) You know, I like what Dave Ramsey says. If a bank won't loan them money, neither should you. (gasps) Those guys are experts to know whether or not you should loan people money. I'm not saying that you have to give over to their lies. Not saying that at all. What I'm saying is it's not your job to expose them. It's not your job to deal with them differently. Just move along. Let God deal with them. Because if you find out someone is lying, just love them anyway. You don't have to trust them, but you got to love them. First Peter 4, 8 says, and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. You know, it's interesting. People come into a church and say, man, this person in church lied to me. Well, that's because the church is a group of people and we're all growing at different places. But we can't uh, allow the fact that somebody lies to us, keep us from walking in the way that God has called us to live. Just because one person lied to you doesn't mean that a whole church is bad. Just because, um, you know, you have to deal with people doesn't mean that you shouldn't be a part of the church. God will deal with those people. Proverbs 25, 21 if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink for you will also, excuse me, for you will reap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. The second difficult person is Shimei, the son of Gera. That's the second difficult person in this story. Let me show you in verse five and eight with Shimei. It says, now when King David came to Behirim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming out from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came and he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Also Shimei said thus when he cursed, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man, false accusations. This Shimei is a very difficult person. Can we agree with that? Amen. People are, cur- people are curse, or excuse me, Shimei is cursing him and he is accusing him of something that is not true. And Shimei is upset for some reason. He thinks David did Saul wrong. He thinks that David did Absalom wrong. And so now he deserves to have his son take over his kingdom. All this is false. David dealt uh, uh, honorably with Saul. He dealt honorably with his son Absalom. This guy is just bringing false accusations, cursing him and tossing stones at him. And he shouldn't be doing this because David is his ruler. David is the king. It says in uh, Exodus twenty-two, twenty-eight, you shall not revile God, no curse a ruler of your people. But Shimei has forgot this. I bet you David has not forgot this. I'm pretty sure that David remembers in this story that he is the king. He's ridiculing him, but David doesn't deserve to receive his ridicule. David has been an honorable man through the whole ordeal with First and Second Samuel, except for the uh, Bathsheba thing. For the most part, he was honorable. David knows it. God knows it. Shammai does not know it. And now he's publicly demeaning David based on his own perception. Based on his own perception. Now, most of us in this predicament, knowing that we were right and that person was wrong, would defend ourselves because somebody else is publicly demeaning us. It's natural. When someone attacks you, you want to defend. And the reason why is because... As much as the liar wants to defend their image, sometimes the honorable want to defend their image as well. And so someone will come and attack you, and your first inclination is to attack back because you're like, oh my gosh, if this person's attacking me, and especially if you're a leader in front of other people, you think like, oh my gosh, this person's going to draw people away. Or if you have a friend group or a family, this person's going to draw these people away. And so it's natural to want to attack, right? I mean, Look look at verse nine. We got our friend Abishai that shows up once again. Abishai, Abishai is the guy, right? Abishai. Then Abishai, verse nine, the son of Zeruiah said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my Lord, the king? Please let me go over and take off his head. (laughs) Good job, Abishai. Some of us identify with David in this story and some of us identify with Abishai in this story. abishai remember abishai is the guy that wanted to go down and kill saul yeah. said hey we've got his spear in his jug let's kill him and david had to hold him back abishai looks like he hasn't changed much <laughs> abishai is still abishai abishai wants to go take his head off little side note here um Abishai's down for whatever okay all of us need an abishai in our lives every once in a while may not be biblical but it sure is helpful at times <laughs> Abishai was wrong. David does not respond to Shimei the same way that Shimei responded to him. He doesn't give himself over to Abishai and say, yeah, he's cursing me. He's tossing. Let's go kill him. Let's go take his head off. No, he doesn't do that. David did what he told his guides to do was just leave him alone. Let him, just let him be, man. Why do why did he do this? Here's why I think is because David knows he's king. See, when you're, when you're king, you don't have to defend the fact that you're king. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like if you're a parent and you have to tell your child, I'm the parent, you've lost. Yeah. Okay? Sometimes you have to remind them every once in a while, but that you, you've lost it. If you're at work and you have to tell people you're the boss, like it's clear that you're the boss. Okay? You don't have to defend it. David knows that he's the king. So he says, you want to just leave him alone. Verse 11, and David said to Abishai and to all the servants, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamin? just leave him alone. Let him curse. For so the Lord has ordered him. See, David even believed that <clears throat> it was God allowing this to happen in his life. He's like, you know what? If that's how God's going to deal with it, then that's how God's going to deal with it. What does it mean to you? Friend, people are going to attack you publicly and say mean things about you. It's life. It happens. It's going to happen in your neighborhood. It's going to happen at work. It's going to happen at church. It's going to happen online. If you're on social media, it's just this life, man. Why? Because the world is filled with broken people. And so when you're dealing with broken people, that's what's going to happen. It's just going to happen. But just because people are attacking you does not give you the right to attack back. Don't return evil for evil. That's what it says in First Peter 3, 9, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you might inherit a blessing. When you don't respond in kind, God, God responds kindly to what you are going through. Your mom was right. Don't, don't go down to their level. It's hard, but it's right. Uh, uh, Many of your mothers said this to you as well. They said, you know, don't go down to their level. You're just stooping to their level. Same thing with the Bible. The Bible says, don't return evil for evil. Don't do that. When people revile you and they persecute you, don't give yourself over to them. The Bible says in Proverbs 20 verse 22, do not say I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. The Bible makes it clear that we're not supposed to respond to public accusers. That's what it says. We're we're not supposed to do that. It's hard. It's hard to not publicly defend yourself. It's hard to not speak ill ill will against somebody that's clearly in the wrong. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's what the Bible says we should do. The Bible says in Romans 12, 14, bless those who who persecute you, bless and do not curse Public accusers have made it clear what their character is because they didn't go to you in private. See, an accuser has an opportunity to come and accuse you in private, but they don't do that. They just start accusing you publicly because they have ill intentions. They want to make you look bad. They want other people to follow them instead of following you. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And it's hard to hold back. Amen. Me, for one, I make it very hard. It's hard for me to hold back because I hate being disrespected. I really hate it, man. I don't like it at all. Uh, Whether I know you or I don't know you, um, I don't like being disrespected. Uh, I don't know why I'm deserving of any respect anyway. I mean, I'm navel lint. I'm just a vile sinner that's in need of a savior. But nonetheless, I don't like it. But what I always have to remind myself is I am a Christian. I answer to God No one else may see this, but God will see this. No one else will know this, but God will know this. And so it keeps my tongue. It keeps me from lashing out back to people. Romans 12, 17, repay no one for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Friend, you have to trust God. You have to trust God through it all, knowing that he is going to make it right. Verse 10, but the king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? Who cares what they say? If people say what they're going to say, who cares? I'm going to honor God. See, David trusted that God was watching, that God would take care of him. You've got to trust that God is watching. God will take care of that person and he will take care of you. See, Jesus spoke this to his disciples. He told them that they would get into, follower, get into problems if they were his followers. If you've given your life over to Jesus, you've signed up to have problems in your life. Yeah. I know that's not a very good selling point, but it's the truth. Matthew 5, 11, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. That's what Jesus said. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You cannot get sucked into what negative people are doing. You just can't. You've got to endure. Your reward will be great in heaven. That's what it says. It says that if you endure it, that you will get through it, and you will be fine, and you will be rewarded in heaven for what you had to go through for Jesus' sake. Amen? Now, here's the third difficult person to deal with. You've got the difficult Ziba. You've got the difficult Shimei, And now you've got the difficult won't let up. That won't let up. Now, if you've dealt with anybody in your life like this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The people that will not let up. David does the right thing. He tells these guys to leave Shimei alone. And then they go on their way. They're actually trying to walk away, except Shimei does not let up he follows along and he continues to harass them verse 13 and as david and his men went along the road shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed him as he went threw stones at him and kicked up dust can you just picture that for a moment because this is exactly what we're seeing David has his bad interaction with Shimei and he says, okay, I'm not going to deal with you anymore. And so he begins to walk away. And then up on the hillside, Shimei is walking up and is kicking up dust off the hillside onto David and his men and chucking stones at him and continuing to curse at him as David's trying to walk away. Ain't this just like the world? You You do the right thing. You try to walk away and they just keep it up, man. They just keep it up. You try to keep quiet and they keep coming. You don't attack back. They keep coming. You don't throw stones. You don't do nothing. You just try to do the right thing like a good Christian should, but they just keep coming. Anybody else have this experience in their life? Amen. Hopefully some of you are raising your hands at home. They keep it up. Keep calling you. Keep texting you. Keep posting about it on Facebook. Keep coming by your work, coming by your house. It's enough to make you want to lose all control and do something about it. Be Abishai. Take their heads off. (laughs) But that's not what you're supposed to do. Here's what you do. You trust God and you don't get weary. Don't be wearied by it. Verse 12, it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. That's what David said. When Shimei followed along and and the guy's cursing him and he's throwing stuff at him and he's saying things to him, David says, you want man? I'm going to bet that God's going to bless me for this. I'm going to bet that God's going to take care of me in the midst of all of this that's gone. And long from now, I'm going to see God's hand on this and I'm going to know that it was God that blessed me because of this. Friend, you have got to trust that even when you're going through it, God is going to take care of it and you always. It may not be at your timeline. It may not be as quickly as you want. It may not be the way that you want. But I will tell you in my own life experience that God will always take care of it every single time. Let me show you what it says in Romans chapter 12. This is a good verse. in Romans chapter 12. I'm getting there. Don't worry. Romans chapter 12. Let's start in verse 17. It says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceful with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what the Bible says. God's vengeance is better than ours ever can be. Do you, do you believe that God is real? If he's real, then he's watching. And if he's watching, he's going to protect you. You're his son, you're his daughter, and he's going to take vengeance on the righteousness of God. He's he's not going to let it just slide. He's going to take care of those people. You've got to trust him. Don't get all worked up about the stuff that you can't control. See, the relentless nature of accusers, scoffers, and attackers is that they have something to prove. Prove they they're trying to prove something to somebody. And the truth is you have something to prove as well. You've got to prove whether or not you're a follower of Jesus, you got to prove whether or not you're going to live by God's Holy word. And we fail sometimes. I know I've failed at this many times, but it doesn't change God's Holy standard. God wants us to live a certain way. And so when the time comes, it's an opportunity for us to show an unbelieving world. I'm different than the world. I want to follow Jesus. Matthew 5 44, Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Luke six, twenty-seven, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, Offer the other one also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Let let me show you this other scripture in in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's talk about Jesus and, and see what Jesus did. 1 Peter chapter 2, it says in verse 20, for what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. Well, how good is it if you deserve a beating and you take it well? That's not good. But when you do good and you suffer and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So God says, you know what? If if you've done no wrong and you get de- dealt with poorly, God God sees that. God commends that. God says, good job for showing that you're being patient when you don't deserve the beating that you're getting. For this, for to this, you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. An example that you should follow his steps. Verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We're supposed to show that we're like Jesus by not responding to our accusers. We're supposed to show that we're like Jesus, that when people say things, we're just not supposed to say anything back, not to grow weary. That's what Jesus did when they accused him. They brought him before uh, Pilate. He didn't utter a word when they delivered him up to crucif- crucifixion. He didn't utter a word. He said, you know what? I'm going to get the last word on this. I'm, I, I know that God's going to take care of me. It says in Matthew 27:14. But when he answered him, not one word so that the governor marveled greatly. I'm sure the governor marveled greatly when given Jesus an opportunity to respond. He didn't say a word. You want to be like Jesus? Don't say anything. And in your mind, you say, well, what will happen if I don't respond? It's probably because you're worried. Excuse me. It's worried about because you're worried about your reputation. You're worried about what people are going to think about you. See, here's the truth, friend, is that anybody who can be swayed by a false accusation was not your friend in the first place. It's not somebody that you want in your corner anyway. Just let them go. Let them be who they're going to be. If you're worried about your life, like, what about this law? What about this wrong accusation? What if something happens in my life? Well, if you want to live like Jesus and be persecuted like Jesus, it includes up to persecution and crucifixion. It might end in crucifixion. And so what? You're going to be like Jesus, but you've got to trust him and not grow weary. Amen. If you get crucified, you're going to be in good company, but the reality is you probably won't die. The truth is God will vindicate you and God will take care of you. God will redeem you and God will make it right. If you're dealing with a liar like Ziba, just let him lie. Don't let it change who you are. Don't, don't be so distrustful of people. Good people always get taken advantage of. If it's a Shimei that accuses you, just leave him alone. Just let them do what they're going to be. And if they continue to pursue, that, pursue you, do not grow weary because God will show vengeance upon those people. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hey, before we close this service today, we're going to pray in just a moment, but I want to invite you, if you're not a Christian this morning, I'm going to invite you to become one. And it's really quite easy. If you're a Christian or you're not, either following Jesus or you're not. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be a follower of Jesus, today is your day. And it's really quite easy. You just call out to him wherever you're at right now. Raise your hands to heaven and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. Now in your heart, you want to turn away from your sins and turn towards Jesus and live for him. And if you, if you make that declaration today for the first time, the Bible said that you became a Christian. I want to encourage you to pray out to God today. Find a good Bible believing church that you can be a part of and watch what God does with your life. For the rest of you, I encourage you to have your heart changed towards God so that you can live the way that he wants you to live with difficult people. Let's close this in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you've given us this word to give us guidance how to deal with difficult people, God. We pray that we would be able to keep our mouth shut, not respond in kind, but trust that you're going to take care of everybody that deals with us disproportionately, God. Father, we pray that you would... Watch over us and help us to live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to thank you guys so much for watching with us today. Um, honey, is there any bread left? or did it all get taken? Anybody know? Okay. Uh, if you're in there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're gonna be here till about eleven thirty. We'll stay here till eleven thirty. If you want to come by, say hi. They got the planted shirts, they got a few loaves of bread left. We'll be here till eleven thirty. It's eleven oh five. We're leaving at eleven thirty. Okay. So I love you so much. Thank you for watching. Can't wait to be together again. Have a great Sunday. Bye. Hey, we want to thank you so-